It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall, and the music indicated it correctly. It is going to, in fact, be an Articles of News episode, with the caveat of we are going to try and do some of the old stories to be able to weigh in on it. So if you want to have like that, you know, year in retrospect, it feels like it's been just about that long uh, since we did Articles of News last. Uh, I'm joined by Annette Luthi Lyon. Hello, young lady. Hello. Good to be back. She's rocking the uh, AirPods Black Friday deal as, uh, nice. as she's here with us. Nice work, nice work. Um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try and do some uh, most recent news, and then we're gonna do some news from the past, and try and cover a bunch of things, and get excited because likely it means you are gonna get the opportunity to get another news episode pretty quick. Uh, and within that episode, uh, we're gonna talk about that three point four million dollar collection of goodies of church historical goodies. I talked to the folks that are handling the auction for that, and they gave me an indication as to what some of those more than 4,000 items are. So that'll be in the next episode of Articles of News. Uh, but Annette, I need to ask you, uh, how are you? How, how, how have things been? Yeah, it's been a hot sec, hasn't it? Um, things are very different in some ways. Um, my Mary, I have two married daughters, so I think Last time we recorded, I think one of them, the second one had gotten married. She was mm-hmm. married in June. The one who got married before that is now living with us with her husband and little baby girl in our basement while their house is being built, um, which is fantastic, honestly, because the baby was born um, June of the pandemic. So we missed out on most of her first year. And now she's at the house and I get to see her every day. And it's it's awesome. And then I- the other big thing is that my youngest is waiting for a mission call. So uh, we're recording this, what, December 4th? I'm thinking maybe the 7th we may have her call. Oh, my goodness. That's the biggest thing. And then the last big thing in my life is that I landed just like a few days ago, about a week ago, um, my dream literary agent. So I was very excited. A dream literary agent. So, yes. So I, I, I'm not versed with, and you have, you've written like 7,000 books, um, but sure. a literary yeah. agent, as I understand it, is uh, the equivalent of like uh, of Tom Cruise in... Um, What's that movie? Why can't I think of the, you know, Mission Impossible? Or no, something? no, no, not Mission Impossible. You know, with the Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh yes, yeah. Uh, um, I can't think of what it's titled. Everyone's yelling it into their earphones right now. It's give me the money, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, show me the money, Sherry. Sure, yeah, so yeah. It, it, that's essentially except for, for the, literary yeah. works. What a literary so, agent does. Yeah. So for I, I've mostly worked with small publishers to this point, and they mm-hmm. often don't use agents. So you're just negotiating things directly with the publisher and the editor. Um, but if you want to go to a larger publisher, they require, you can't just submit your stuff to them. So an agent has to do that, which means you have to get an agent and, um, there's a whole massive process that goes behind that. And of course the agent then will, they negotiate contracts and they take a portion of what you earn, but without an agent, you can't earn much. Yeah. Yeah. So they're worth their weight in gold. And, um, a really great agent is the one, her name is Jill Marshall and she's, I've, She's a dream. I mean, really, she's everything I wanted. I had this phone call when she was um, offered me representation and answered all, every question the way I'd hoped. Nice. I might have had. Um, so I know I've been in this industry for quite a while, um, but her client list is very impressive. And 
Um, she has the same vision as I do for things I want to do going forward. And cool. Congratulations. Really excited. Yeah. That's huge. I hope that also part of the negotiation is, is like, you know, Simon and Simon and Schuster is like, yeah, we want 50,000 words. And, and Jill's like 47 and not a single word more. <laughs> like I, I know it's not that, that like uh, combative maybe, but in my mind's eye, I really like, like them arguing about it in like a bookstore or like a really big, vast library, like because that's where book meetings would occur. Like I hope well, that that's how it happens. Thing, honestly, is that if there are any uncomfortable conversations, um, that's the business end, and she would deal with that. Nice. So when it comes to I, I talk, me talking to the publisher, I'd just be like, "And now here's my pretty story. What should we do with it now?" And all that ugly thing, you go talk to her about that. So I, yeah. I won't have to deal with it, those kinds of things. So. Worth it. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Uh, awesome. uh, How about you? There's about a million things going on. Uh, the thing that comes to my mind at this moment that I would bring up before we get into the news here in the second half is, is um, you, you, there's the lyric from the old song, and I meant to look this up before we started. It's also an adage uh, that they, uh, you, you don't know what you got until it's gone. Or as the lyric goes, don't it always seem to go, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And then until I was 35, I thought the next lyric of that song lyric was a pink pair of dice and put up a parking lot. <laughs> but it's actually pave paradise. paradise and put up a parking lot. Um, but I've had some time to think in the last little bit about, you know, it, it, it's super like you know, in, in vogue to say things like, not in vogue, by the way, uh, <laughs> uh, but to say things like living in the moment and living intentional. And um, where that has come for me recently is this idea of I didn't really ha know what I had when I had it until I didn't have it anymore. And I've thought that um, about my old house. So I'm renting a home in Draper, my home in Taylorsville. I'm now seven mortgage payments in on a home that I have never slept a night in. That's a good time. And it's not any closer now than it was when I purchased it to being able to be living in it. And, and that's a fun time. But the lawn is incredibly manicured by m yours truly. Um, so there's that, like the home where I lived, the ward that I was in, you know, I thought it was a ward. I knew they were great, but I didn't truly understand like the importance of the diversity and different schools of thought and all of that until I didn't have it anymore yeah. and then have been and found myself in um, a, a far more, uh, and, and that's not to say should any of the folks that, li that live in that ward uh, hear this, it's not to say it's not a great ward, it's just different. It reminds me when I was married round one and all of us were between 30 and 40 years old, yeah. made six-figure take-home, had... Uh, you know, 2.3 kids were all white. We're all, you know what I'm saying? It was Very cookie because, yeah, 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 exactly. Well, downtown Salt Lake where you lived before, that was, that's probably the most diverse air part of Utah, arguably. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. So I don't have that anymore. And then also, uh, I, I normally, uh, at this time, people who have listened to the cultural hall for any length of time know that I have performed at the desert star playhouse, which is a theater in Salt Lake. Uh, and normally around Christmas time, I'll be doing the Christmas show, but because of, you know, financial obligations and other things that I needed to get to, like it, it just hasn't worked out that I'm doing the Christmas show this year, which means this will be the first year in 20 that I haven't done a, a play or a musical or anything like that, any sort of performing thing. And, um, 
like I I miss being able to perform for people around the holiday season, but I also really miss that camaraderie with everyone kind of behind the stage. In fact, in some ways, I miss that more than the actual performing in front with everybody else. And so, yeah, I I, I, I haven't been in a play for many, many years, but I I was in a few um, late high school, early college. And the things I remember most were, were was the cast and those friendships and the, the things that happened during rehearsal or backstage or yep. yeah, that's yep. huge. It's just, yeah. And it's, yeah. I, I, this desert stars actually first became aware of you. So that's kind of sad too. Huh. <laughs> well, and, and I'll be back and it's a thing, you know, that just because it's now doesn't mean it's my forever and all the things I hope to one day live in the house, which I purchased. I know <laughs> funny thoughts, crazy, crazy, crazy notion. Um, but you know, a lot of those things I've just been like, yeah, I, I don't think I realized, I mean, even right now. So people are like, why haven't they done news in such a long time? Part of it is brother Kyle, which he would like you to know he's fine, but also he's dying when I asked him, you know, would you like me to tell people how you are? And he said, yeah, tell him I'm fine, but also that I'm dying. Um, so he, if you don't know, if you're new to the cultural hall, he was diagnosed with Bulbar ALS a couple of times. Uh, the final diagnosis sort of stuck a couple of months ago and then he got married in August and, and he's been featured, um, KSL doing a bunch of things with, uh, both local, uh, politics and now national politics to try and get some things passed, um, so that they can do, it's actually pretty fascinating. I was learning about this in, in, in sort of helps of supporting him. They are trying to push past legislation federally that um, allows you, if you have a terminal diagnosis, to just give stuff a try. So the Food and Drug Administration is like, well, we want things to be tested and tried and make sure that it's safe and all this stuff and has to go through this rigorous testing, which we gr- it's great and we love, you know. But also, there are a group of people who have not just an ALS diagnosis, but several others that are like, listen, we're going to die. Let us try this thing, and maybe it will help save our life or prolong our life. And and there's only a couple senators uh, that aren't uh, signing on to it. And can you guess where one of them lives? In the state of Utah. Yeah, it is. And the other one is Rob Portman of Ohio. So, uh, yeah, just, just... Uh, interesting as far as that goes. Uh, oh, so all that to say, uh, it, part of why we haven't done news is because of uh, Brother Kyle. Uh, a part of me, um, like it's just hard showing up and, and not having Brother Kyle on the other end, which is not a downplay, again, of you or anyone else who no, joins. Of course not. Um, he, he predates everyone else. <laughs> yeah. But, but, it, yeah. but it's that tender spot in my heart. And then the other part is I don't, in my new home that I'm renting, have a studio so I had to like makeshift a room in the basement. And for those of you that are Patreon subscribers, by going to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall, uh, you'll see that, that, you know, it's whitewashed behind me because the only place is in a room with the window behind me, blah, 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 blah. So it's just a little bit harder than it ever has been. And so being able to connect with folks, uh, that's why I truly appreciate all that you do. I know that people um, probably are already following the cultural hall on Instagram. But if you are not, uh, Annette is the one responsible for, I would say 99% of the posts that go out on Instagram. She does a tremendous job, um, especially with linking people and, and saying, Hey, check this out. Have you seen this? And, uh, and keeping that feed up and current. The only other thing I would say is that since we chatted last, I had the opportunity to join Morgan Jones for, uh, an episode of all in, uh, her podcast, tremendously successful, and I know that a lot of people are new to this uh, show because of that podcast. So welcome everybody who's new because of that, but 
She's an amazing person. I had a great opportunity to be able to do that. I'll provide a link in the show notes if you haven't listened to that to be able to check out that episode. Yeah, and I'll be linking to that on Instagram soon too. And she was actually in the hall a few months ago. For yeah. Talk. yeah. Yeah. Funnily enough, uh, I interviewed her for our episode in the hall and then she turned around and interviewed me. Same day, same studio. But four months later is when my episode came out just because of the production and and, uh, and permissions and, and all the things that they have to do on that end. So... Uh, we've got a ton of news. You want to take a break and come back? Sure. Let's do that. We'll come back and do uh, actual articles of news. Hey, this is Dan, the Laptop Man from PC Laptops in Salt Lake City. Ho, ho, ho! Santa Claus is here! Have you been a really good girl or boy this year? Hold on to your elf! It's the Ultra Mega El Grande Fluffy Holiday Sale at PC Laptops on the best desktop and laptop computers on the planet. This is it! We have the brand new PC Laptops S1 desktop computer with a lifetime parts and labor warranty from $29 a month. You can also save up to 50% off our original prices on open box, scratch and dents, and demo models. That's right, up to 50% off. Plus, they all come with a lifetime service guarantee. Holy mackerel! To make it impossible to resist, we're doing 12 months special financing on any PC laptop's desktop or laptop computer. Have I lost my mind? Call us at 1-877-596-7283 for details or check us out at PCLaptops.com. That's PCLaptops.com, where we love you! Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. It's time for the second half of Articles of News, wherein we do actual articles of news. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose articles of news. And away we go. There's seriously so many. I'm looking at, and if again, if you can see the video feed, I've printed out at least a quarter of a ream of news because I do it whenever I post stuff uh, on our Facebook page where I post all of the news that you'll hear about. I will print out the ones that I think are worthy for an episode. And because we haven't done an episode, it just kind of stacks up and stacks up and stacks up. So, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll give you the pleasure. You go first. Okay. So this is actually one. I, I, I like trying to find things that maybe people haven't necessarily stumbled across on their own. Um, so those, I believe Rachel Hunt Steenbuck is a former guest of the hall. Yes. Correctly. Um, she, for those who may not know, she is the author of Mother's Milk and I gave her a name. She, um, worked closely. I'm forgetting his name now. Um, at BYU, there was a grant to actually study mother in heaven cool. to go to what is in the scriptures. What have any of the church leaders ever said about her? And they gathered all this up and she was basically the one to go, wow, a lot of the things we think like the taboos and stuff aren't actually based on anything. So um, A Mother's Milk and I gave her name for poetry books about Mother in Heaven. Fabulous, beautiful. Um, anyway, she and her husband are living in China, um, teaching at a university there. They both are. And she recently had a baby. She doesn't know Chinese. She teaches in English. But she, as you can imagine, incredibly intense COVID protocol. So she had sure. to be in there by herself, not speaking the language. Went way over her due date. Baby was um, breach. 
Anyway, all of these things, the scary things that went on. Baby's hair fine, born October 30th, just a hair under 11 pounds. Wow. <laughs> this is her fourth child. Um, and oh my goodness, like her third was born. Um, also, I think in China, if I remember correctly. Um, and then they flew back to the States to Utah to visit her family for Christmas. And then COVID hit China. Yeah. And she couldn't, they couldn't go back. And then her oldest had to start kindergarten in the States while they were still living with her parents. They, they all got COVID in Provo. Anyway, crazy, crazy stuff. But anyway, congratulations to Rachel Huntstein Black on her 11 pound little baby boy. Yeah, right all the women, world. you hear this collective ooh from the and women. She's a little person. She's little. I'm like, wow, 11 pounds. Holy and you're crap. talking about Rachel being a little person, not the baby, because we would oh, assume yes. that the baby is a little person. <laughs> yes, Rachel's a tiny little girl. She's she's powerful though. My yeah, uh, uh, I actually met and talked with her. I, so we had I had done the interview, and I'll provide that link in the show notes as well. But. Um, I had done the interview with her, but there's many people that I've only met either electronically, you know, via Zoom or over just the phone and have never met them in person. And when I was able to sit uh, at a stake, um, like fireside and be able to hear Richard Bushman speak, she was there mm -hmm. as well. And I came up and I said, Rachel, it's Richie. I know we've never met, but hey. And, and I think it was during the time that she was sort of United States stuck. Stuck. Yeah during that whole so thing. So it's like a two week trip and then it ended up being like nine months or something. Yeah, and geez, crazy geez. Like that. But uh, yeah, something else to follow of her. She has an Instagram account called tiny kindnesses. Oh and she yes. Submit their stories. And there's a sweet, just little small glimpses of happy service and, and, and thoughtfulness that people share. And she, then she passes on and they're just good up left for your day. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, some quick news, right? Um, we've got that the, uh, the all of the cafeterias in the temples, gone. They're getting rid of them. Uh, some, some last hanger honors, um, the Guayaquil, Ecuador, and Hamilton, New Zealand. Uh, they, they are going to close, but they're going to take a little bit longer. Uh, of course, the one in the Salt Lake Temple, no longer open because Salt Lake Temple, no longer open. Uh, some of those other ones, I know when they renovated uh, Jordan River, they took the cafeteria out. It's... I, I think some of that is um, led slash guided with COVID, and it's just like, we don't need to do this. And then the other things is I think it's it just becomes too much. Becomes it, it becomes too difficult to be able to get volunteers to do, you know, the endowments and the initial stories and be able to work in the thing. And, and you know. And, lot, and, huh? Simplify. Yeah, and get, get yourself some food afterwards. That's part of the fun of going to the temple is everyone that you go to the temple with, then you go get a really nice meal and you say, why are we doing this like this? Well, because we went to the temple. We earned it. Um, exactly. This, I, this is one thing. I never actually have been into a temple cafeteria and I always wanted to go just check it out. Uh-huh. And now I can't. Well, <laughs> so well, like, hey. well, I think you might have a couple weeks. I think you really? have. Yeah. I got to think of which ones are open that would have a cafeteria in Utah now, but I'm pretty sure. Okay, I'll have to, I'll have to look around, see. You ever, you ever go yeah. to odd cafeterias? I know that this is a tangent that no. we're going to go off on in a second, but I'll tell you what, if you ever get the opportunity to come to Utah, this is not a joke. Uh, the Huntsman Cancer Institute cafeteria on the second floor, it is the best cafeteria food you'll ever have. And here's the deal. I used to think it was just like, oh, this is really good. And, and maybe, you know, the mac, the mac and cheese tastes good because I'm grieving, right? Or something like that, right? Like it's emotional rather than actually good. But what I found out was um, the Huntsman's intentionally put in part of it that there is like a chef that crafts the food because their thought was, listen, cancer is the worst thing 
in the world. And if people are going to have to come and spend, especially in the Cancer Institute, hours upon hours, and in some cases days, let's have them have great meals to be able to do it. And so there is a small contingent of people, I know this because I was this, that go <laughs> to the Huntsman Cancer Institute, just like you'd go to a McDonald's or something like that, go and get food there, don't have, you know, anything like that. And I don't know if that's still in, um, if you're still able to do that, obviously, during the pandemic, but pre-pandemic. That's you know, cool. once a month or so, go up and, and dine on whatever delicious thing that they had made up there. It was amazing. That's fantastic. I love that. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, see. So, speaking of temple stuff, um, the temp Provo Temple is getting a brand new design. And I, there's a lot of split opinions on that. Uh, looks From what I've seen, it's, it'll end up looking like its former twin because Provo and Ogden were the ones that looked like a birthday cake. Mm -hmm. basically um it was August clouds was it was clouds <laughs> that's what everyone says it's clouds and aspiring to heaven yeah that's how it's supposed to look like i actually uh, when they repainted the spire several years ago um i like that it used to be sort of this goldish color and looked like gross peanut butter or something so <laughs> um but so i'm at, it looks like i think it'll look like the ogden one does now um that design was never the original one was never my favorite but at the same time i do get people understand why people are like oh but they're all looking the same now. Mm -hmm. This was my special 1970s era temple. And, you know, so I, I'm almost surprised that they're doing it, but I think it's only because there's so many more temples in Utah County that they can then bus missionaries to or whatever. But yeah. the design is basically what the new Ogden one looks like. So. Well, so I, lis I listened recently to um, Mormonland, the project that Salt Lake Tribune does with Peggy Fletcher Stack and uh, Dave Noyce, and um, they had someone on who is an architect who actually did like the uh, Tijuana Temple, and he's you know been the architect for a few of them, and and they talked about how that the particular structure for the Provo Temple. Um, the reason why it's built in sort of that circular way is for efficiency because yeah. as, and I don't want to get into too many details, but as you move room to room kind of in the circle, then you can sooner start another, that's you know, right uh, session to go through. And so for, you know, BYU, for the MTC that's right there, they're able to efficiently get through that. So that's part of why it was round yeah. like that. If you look at like, if you, if you go to the LDS.org and look at all the lists of temples and it'll like describe the architectural style. So you'll have like neo-Gothic or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. under um, the Provo, it says functional. <laughs> that was literally what the, it was called the functional design. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. That's, yeah. It was literally, let's be very practical. And now they're like, let's, let's be pretty too, though, you know? Yeah, it, it's interesting because, um, you know, having that building be more than 50 years old now, it's technically uh, able to be like on the National Historic Registry. So there's a part of me that goes like, hey, come on, if we keep making everything the same, and I understand that, but there's a certain amount of charm that gets lost when we do things the same, right? It like like even if even if you think, man, the Provo Temple, I mean, it's a house of the Lord. I'm not I'm not downgrading that, but if to your particular taste you go, man, that's an ugly temple, great. We've got an ugly one according to you. We've got a you know a, a, a palace palatial one in San Diego, you know, whatever the things are, it's when we start to make everything the same that I think we just are like, mm, yeah. it's, it's yeah. same old Agreed. same old, Agreed. same old. Yep. Uh, I recently, uh, in sort of some other work, I, I met um, the guy, and I didn't know that they had the guy, but I met the guy, so, you know, they must have the guy, who designs all of the celestial room furniture Ooh, and manufactures it. 
and and to me i thought oh you know they just find nice pieces of furniture and they kind of put it in no it is it is that is so much more a process that i'm excited to go to to the temple and then spend some time in the celestial room certainly pondering and thinking out what i should do with my life etc 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 but also paying attention to like the details of the furniture that's there because he oh, yeah. i i think he does he and his particular firm do all of the furniture oh wow that's and I and and just what he told me on some of these things, I just was like, I would have never in a million years known that this is why this is, and this is the symbolism of this for this particular temple, and and why they couldn't do. A lot of temples will have like motifs of like what what is what grows in that area, and it, though that's carved into into the furniture and stuff. So, <laughs> like I've been to Helsinki Temple a few times, and um, the the. The carvings and the you know and the furniture, everything it just is it is very reminiscent of um, Finnish culture and lore, Scandinavian. It kind of looks Celtic, but then Celtic came from Scandinavia. So, um, but yeah, it's I'm like this was done for this room. I can tell, but I wouldn't yeah. have thought it was all every piece in that room and came from one place like yeah. all the other temple. That's fascinating. That's yeah, awesome. pretty cool, pretty cool, and explains why it takes a couple of years because that's you know building all the furniture. Yeah, all this stuff and researching and stuff. That's very cool. Uh, talking about uh, temple and uh, temple square. Um, the North Visitor Center, my favorite place aside from the actual temple itself on Temple Square, uh, is now gone. Uh, we mentioned in the past that they are, are going to make it to into a garden spot for reflection, which sounds great. It also is able to provide views um, of the temple from the road. They're going to take that wall down. I can almost guarantee it. I haven't seen anything official, but I think they're taking the whole wall around the temple down, or they're going to take it down and do like a see-through wall, something. I'm telling you, they're not going to go to the millions and millions of expense to then keep the you know, sort of walls of Jericho around the, the temple. But North Visitor Center's gone. They have taken the Christus that was there. And yes, you have to say it, Christus, uh, out, of the, out of that North Visitor Center. And as I understand it, it's going to come back. I'm not sure, like, where, in what building, in what place. Um, I read somewhere online that they, they may cast the very same thing um, in bronze and then have it be an outdoor portion of that reflection place so you have that statue that could be kind of cool um but nothing announced as far as that goes but that north visitor center is gone so speaking of that though i was one of those things i assumed that um temple square going to see the lights would not be a thing mm -hmm. turns out it's a thing this year mm -hmm. um i was very surprised but apparently the church news had a whole thing about here's what you can see on temple square and there's all kinds of stuff apparently so you have to go check that out the whole I'll have the article linked on there, but you can go to Temple Square to see the lights this year. Yeah, they're they're a little different. There's still the uh, concerts in the Assembly Hall. They have some of those. There is a um, slide project projection is not the right way to describe it, but like a small animated video that they're actually um, throwing onto the roof of the tabernacle on the inside. Um, so you can hear the music and the narration, and then it sort of goes along the top of the tabernacle, which is pretty cool. It's fun to see the the today's media be able to incorporate a building like that. And if you don't know, you've never been to the tabernacle, you've probably seen it and not thought, oh, hey, it's also round on the inside as well. It almost is like, um, why can't I think of what the, the type of theaters that you have to pay more money at? IMAX. It's almost like a, a religious IMAX. 
if you'll allow me the latitude to make that comparison, like a little bit of an IMAX kind of feel as it, it um, gets portrayed up there on the ceiling of the tabernacle. Super cool. And, and to continue to mention, um, you know, that uh, tomorrow night as we record this, but the 5th of December is the First Presidency Christmas message, which uh, I love because if you've got anyone in your life that is not a member of the church, like this is the quintessential time to sit down and be able to to invite them to something because it's not you know it, it's not the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints heavy-handed kind of anything like that it's just like we love jesus and this time of year and families and so you know hopefully you can go i, I know you'll be able to go back and watch that if you're hearing this before uh, make plans to watch it it'll be all over byu tv you can get it on the app you can get it on youtube you can get it uh, if you live in utah on tv itself uh, so plenty of opportunities to be able to check that out and it's only an hour nice and short whoop, whoop. So if we're talking about temple square and temples in general i had one other little thought on temple stuff i didn't that i came across um Currently, there is going to be some upcoming changes in Temple Recommends and how they're signed, mm -hmm. which I thought was fascinating. Um, that um, for the stake presidency, and I believe Bishop Rick, the, the, those, they'll, they'll be digitized and then printed. Um, they figured that actually will be a little bit um, more secure than people being trying to forge by hand or something like that, I guess. So how, how long do you think until it's just digital? I don't know. That's a good question. I I can see that happening. Yeah, I, I would like years ago. I would have thought that tithing would never go digital because there's something about handing over an envelope and that's virtual now. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Like, that could be really really soon. Now that you mentioned that, I hadn't, given, hadn't thought about that. But that and, makes I, sense. I, yeah, and I mean they'll always have the paper for the folks that are like, well, oh, digital, old man, you know, whatever that is. Um, but I think I. You know, think of how many times you've gone somewhere and you didn't bring your paper, recommend, but you always bring your phone, or most of the time you bring your phone, right? You're on vacation, then you had to go into the side room and meet with the stake president from the local congress, you know, pull it up on your phone, have a way that it, just like a, a bank app or something like that, it's secured, it can't there be it screenshotted, yeah. it can't be transferable, it's signed, you got it there, and, and the best part is that you get a little ping notification of when it's about to expire so you don't do the thing that most of us do, which is you go oh, to the temple and you go, ow. Exactly. Or there's a wedding coming up, you're like, oh, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and that actually, I can see, that would be really good. I remember hearing at least once when my dad was a temple president, he was, the, the district was encompassed many time zones in, in, into Russia. And someone showed up and he, it was someone they needed as a temple worker. He'd forgotten his recommended home. So my dad's trying to call the state president or district president or whoever on like, who's in the middle of the night in Russia somewhere <laughs> trying to wake them up. Like, please, I just need to talk to you. the guy in the temple, you know, but yeah, that, that would really solve a lot of problems. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Only a matter of time. I'm sure security yeah. is the, is the big issue is they just don't want it to, to be out there. Although, uh, and I'm not saying that I've ever done this, but you can purchase Temple Recommends online. There are oh, places yeah. that, yeah. Super. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks for making. But, but I mean, and you can also, to that point, you can also find what they look like online. So if people are going to go to the effort, I'm just saying, I don't think that if we make the electronic version, I don't think that it's worthwhile to say, then people will be able to get in where they haven't before. People have been able. If and I they, think it's, and it's harder now anyway, because there are barcodes that get activated. And so it's harder to, you know, fudge that kind of stuff nowadays. But yeah, I think 
And the church actually has entire departments to do security. So I imagine that's yeah, probably on the horizon. Yeah. A uh, couple of just quick one-offs. If you watch the TV show Home Sweet Home, there was a Latter-day Saint family on it. You can find that streaming if you like that kind of thing. What happens is is they swap. No, 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 not that kind of swap. They swap uh, from living in one town as this family. They take all the family and live in, in the other individual's home. Uh, and then the other family lives in their home for a while. And they traded um, homes with a Jewish family. Um this is from early November, uh, and it's on NBC. You can find it wherever you stream your shows. It's called Home Sweet Home. It's the Baltzer family that was on that. Uh, Tanner McKee, maybe that name sounds familiar to you. If you did not know, uh, the quarterback of Stanford, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a couple other guys on that team as well. And recently, I guess they've had the opportunity to be able to share a little bit about their faith and about their missions um, to the to the football team, and um, and that was a big deal. I think it just sort of comes with having Latter Day Saints on your team. But Stanford, being in California, right? Maybe it's a little out of the norm for there. Um, but gave them essentially like the time for a fireside to be like, hey, this is what I've learned. And the coach just loves being able to have Latter-day Saints on his team, brings a maturity. I think it's because it brings two more years for them to be faster, bigger, you know, stronger, smarter, whatever. That's jaded. I'm cynical. But, you know, who who wouldn't want these uh, these individuals there? And Tanner McKee, their quarterback, I thought. Interesting of note, there's uh, a few quarterbacks that at other schools that aren't Utah schools that are members of the church. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, on a more somber note, um, this is something that people that happened, let's see, right before Thanksgiving, I believe, um, Torreon, Mexico, we had a, a multi-zone conference um, and two gunmen came in and held the 70 missionaries, including the mission president and his companion, um, kicked some people and hit some, stole stuff from them and ran off. Um, nobody had to be hospitalized, but of course everyone was shaken up um, and they have since been apprehended, the two men. Um, scary stuff. I kind of freaked out because I was like, ah, I recognize the name of that mission. And sure enough, my nephew had served there. He's home and married now. Things are defined. Wow. But I was like, that was your mission, right? And he's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, scary mission. Yeah, I can't even imagine being at a zone conference where you're just like, yeah, hey, how's it going? Oh, yeah, great. Work's going well. Someone comes in, holds you all hostage, and then physically you know, harms the mission president and, and the, the mission president's wife just like hits and kicks and all the things. And you can imagine just like the level of prayers happening quietly and throughout the building. I just, I can't even, but just, and the poor parents. I mean, like when my son was on his mission, um, he had actually just arrived in, he went to Illinois. And before we knew where he was assigned within the mission, uh, a tornado hit his mission. Oh my gosh. And I, I was freaking out completely. I was like, and we got an, an email saying the missionaries are all accounted for and they're all alive. And I'm like, okay, fine. But is he an ICU with a femur broken or <laughs> what, you know, can you be a little more specific please? Um, and he was fine. He actually was about an hour away from it. Um, and his first email home was like, oh, too bad. We didn't get to see it. I'm like, yeah. son. <laughs> and then he got to go help with the cleanup. And then he realized how devastating that is. He's yeah. like, don't worry, mom, next time I'll, I'll take cover. I'm like, good. He can be taught, but yeah. But that, I mean, that's like, that was as bad as I had it. And I'm thinking, I can't imagine what these parents must have thought. Like, oh my gosh, my kid, are they okay? And like, I come home now, you know, that would be, yeah. oh gosh. Yeah. And now I, I'm I, waiting for my daughter to get her call. So that's yay. <laughs> Come on, Mesa. Come on, Kirtland. Come oh, on, Stateside gosh. Visitor Center. Come on. Um, you know, 
I think about uh, one of the things that happened when I was on my mission. It wasn't in the zone that I was in particularly, but um, there were cupcakes. You know, the 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 um, the families in the ward take care of food for the stake or for the zone conferences. And in one particular um, zone, the um, this is actually out by it's south of uh, Toledo, a place called Perrysburg, Ohio, and all of the zone met together there. And a teenager put sleeping pills, mashed up sleeping pills, into all the cupcakes. Oh. And because it was mad, the teenager was mad at you know his mom or something like that, and and so they all ate the cupcakes at lunch as part of this zone conference, and then as. <laughs> As the zone conference gets back into session, they all start falling asleep. You know, oh, I don't feel very good. Oh, I'm sort of tired. And there was like 70 missionaries that were in this particular zone. And what cued, what cued them to this was that the, the only ones that didn't fall asleep were the ones that didn't eat the cupcakes. But it was like 55 missionaries, including the mission president and his wife, who all just like passed out asleep. Awesome. And, and, you know, they had to call the paramedics and everyone ended up being fine. They didn't end up pressing charges or anything like that. But, you know, some of these some of these things that happen, I mean, obviously the most extreme is the getting held hostage. But there are weird things like that that happen all the time at these yeah. zone conferences. Oh, or even just like, you know, my other daughter who served a mission, um, I found out the place she, she served for most of her time. It was this teeny tiny town in Alabama. Most Alabamans don't even know where it is. Have you ever even heard of it? I didn't think a ton about like her safety until I, I came home and she came home. And then I, I discovered that um, that little town is where all the drug dealers get their stuff. Mm. That's I'm like, oh, lovely. That was a really safe location. Then she's like, I wasn't going to tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe that was smart. But holy cow, that's scary. Like, like everyone she taught had had drugs, dealt drugs, been an, been an addict. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's terrifying. It's sort of a, a crazy story that people won't know is that that daughter ended up studying uh, supply chain management and now is a global supply chain manager, uh, all because of lessons that she learned on her mission. Congratulations. Actually, she has a, a cultural hall connection, though, for those who have been following the um, Brother Kyle's story. She's the one who did his wedding video and arranged to get the photographer um, to work her for, for cost and that kind of stuff. So cool. she's, she's pretty dang amazing actually she's doing the ad lab at byu and whatnot so she's cool great. cool cool uh, a couple yeah. other things people may remember this about how the joseph smith memorial building uh caught on fire a small fire yeah. um it was caused by construction materials it you know a few thousand dollars and will be repaired but this is something because this is a news roundup from the last who knows how long uh that we had not yet mentioned and along with that um if you've ever been to uh, San Diego, you know that a lot of old town in San Diego has uh, LDS connections. Uh, there's the the old LDS, um, the Mormon battalion uh, sort of went out to San Diego and they were like, cool, we're here. And then it was like, eh, let's go back. Okay, let's go back. Well, police are investigating um, multiple monuments that were found vandalized at Presidio Park, which is in old town. Um, there are different sayings. I always like if I can find the uh, the sayings and or uh, you know the graffiti to find out what people write. Um, the the uh, graffiti said, "May all colonizers fail." Oh, I'm sorry. May all colonizers fall. That's one of the graffitis. Death to the white man's world was another of the graffiti. Death to white supremacy. 
was another one. No thanks, no giving was another one, and and for my money, the most clever of all of them. And Land Back, which was another one of the graffitis that was sprayed there in San Diego, if you've ever been to Old Town. Wow. Have you ever so, been? Uh, have you ever been out there? It's actually pretty no, cool. I haven't. I haven't. I, I want to, but I haven't. I it, it's, it. it's kind of like um what it, it's almost like if uh if the church owned like a, a ghost town that was how do I phrase this in the right way? Um like that if the church had a piece of a like a ghost town that was brought back to bring people to the area. You know, sort of uh, uh, touristy, right? Because you can get, you can walk around, and I don't know how much of it the church actually owns, but they do have a mission headquarters there where sister missionaries will tell about, like, when the Mormon battalion came. But you can also walk around and get yourself, like, a sarsaparilla and some old, you know, stick candy and, you know, those kind of little shops around the way and get some really great Mexican food as well. So it's worth checking out. It's not worth vandalizing. Don't do that. But it is worth checking out. Um, so it's one story. This is again something I most people probably wouldn't be aware of. It has a, a Latter-day Saint connection, um, but it's this, this amazing um, high school quarterback um, from California. His name is Will Bingham. There's an article for him. It's SocoPrepSports.com. This uh, and it's all about you know how he didn't have the a lot of the training and whatnot, but that led him into being being able to become a quarterback. that he always wanted to, and anyway, um, but. The real story is about, um, and it's actually almost exactly a year now, this on Monday, December 6th will be the anniversary. His older brother died in a tragic deep, um, deep sea fishing accident. Um, and so he was, you know, then the pandemic and everything else, it was just absolutely devastating. Um, and so anyway, so they're talking about how living his, his brother was named Devin and I was, you know, diver Devin and live like Devin because Devin always you know, he was living his utmost essentially always. And he loved the ocean. He loved to do what he wanted. And so Will basically said, you know, he'd want me to be on the field and he'd want me to be living life and embracing the joy that we possibly can. Um, so the cool, interesting, cool, the reason this is, I know that they're members of the church because um, his mother um, is Bilby Freestrom from Helsinki. Uh, I knew that, I knew um, you'd know somehow. Yeah, so that she and I were beehives together back in the day. Um, and so she married an American and um, they've since divorced. He kind of, I don't know the whole story. I know that he kind of abandoned the family and, and whatnot, but um, powerful, powerful story of you know, resilience and carrying on. And, and it's rather inspiring. Her dad actually was our home teacher for three oh. years. Well, there you and go. He had a very unusual family in that, you know, my family of four kids growing up, um, we were in, in Helsinki. They were like, wow, your family's huge. You got you weirdos. And I'm yeah. like, in my ward in America, Mormondom, like we're tiny. Yeah. Um, they're, they had eight kids at the time. Wow. And I believe they ended up with 10, which is just unheard of for Europe. Like what's going on here. So yeah. uh, anyway, um, but yeah, so his, that, that's the connection there. And it just, I, I can't even, it. I can't even begin to imagine that many multiples for kids. You know, like I had the one and I was like, I'm exhausted. I don't even understand how people do two well, to do four. I, okay. I don't know if I've told you. So like I, I grew up in the ward I grew up in, um, eight or more was normal. Mm-hmm. Had, there was a family of 15, Ugh. several with 10, many with eight. I mean, so my family, again, four kids, but it didn't seem like much. So I, I was dating my husband and you know, we're talking hypotheticals. Like he's like, oh, I want a big family. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> 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 fortunately I said, define big. And he goes. <laughs> Well, I consider my family big and there's six siblings. I'm like, okay, we're in negotiating territory. Okay. Like, I'm like, I'm not doing Good. double digits, dude. Yeah. We're just not, not happening. Uh, you know, speaking of football, 
uh, and maybe not living your best life. How's that for a hard segue into this? Uh, BYU played USC last weekend. Uh, we trounced them. Go Cougs. You know, because, you know, I'm basically a football player. I'm part of the team. So when they play, we play. Um, they played in Southern California and uh, USC. They, they came up with the very clever chat during the football game of F word the Mormons. And you can, if you listened and watched the game, you can actually hear it. It was loud enough that you could hear it uh, over the broadcast, both on TV and on the radio. Uh, USC afterwards came out and said, hey, listen, this isn't the behavior that's becoming of our university. We apologize for all of this. And then the Deseret News this last week wrote an article about how, you know, even though they said that, there's no way that it can it can mar this centuries-old relationship and I just, I saw that article, I'll come back to the football game, but I saw that article and I was like, I don't think anyone thinks that because some fans in the stands said F the Mormons and chanted it, I don't think that anyone's like, well, this is, this is going to be pretty rough for, you know, the two mm -hmm. universities to be able to collaborate. It's dumb college kids being dumb. Now, my favorite part of this is when we shared this um, on Facebook. And again, find the cultural hall and follow us if you're not uh, already. Um, I don't know which is the more offensive word. If it's the F word is that's more offensive or the Mormon word mm. that's more offensive. Uh, well, you decide the F word because you didn't say the M word. Okay. 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 Yeah. <laughs> that That's a decision we all have to internally make. Uh, but I thought, I thought that was just sort of a funny thing. A uh, couple other quickies. Uh, Music in the spoken word is back now. That's been since we've done news last. So you can catch that Sunday mornings. You can see that live. Uh, Michael O. Levitt, the uh, Scottish gentleman himself. No, I always, his middle name is Oviet, I think. Um, and we always make the joke that Michael O. Levitt sounds Scottish. Uh, Michael Levitt, now the, uh, the, the, the president, the PR guy uh, of the um, Mormon, the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square. So yeah, I almost had a win for Satan. Uh, they are doing that now uh, live. Uh, you can check it out and doing um, like a best ofs for the Christmas, a narrative best ofs. The last 20 years comprised all together as we go into the holiday season, not doing that live show that they normally would. Uh, live shows they're hoping be back for next year. Also, the uh, if you're not familiar with um, the uh, Genesis, uh, that is... Uh, the group for Black Latter-day Saints. Um, they recently have celebrated their 50th anniversary from when they were organized. Uh, the first president, uh, Ruffin Bridgeforth, he died back in 1997. Um, the group Genesis was created in October 1971, was around for a little bit, then it went away for a couple of years, and then they brought it back. Darius Gray um, was recently interviewed about this 50th anniversary. It's an amazing group. You don't have to be black to attend the meeting. Um, and if you live anywhere around Salt Lake, uh, you should go and check it out. And if you ever travel, uh, they do it. I believe it's on the first Sunday of the month. Uh, you can be able to go and be able to worship. And they do uh, very different hymns than we would do in our normal religious sort of setting. And, and uh, it's fun to be able to, to be a part of and worship uh, with the Black Latter-day Saints. That's so, so great. Yeah. Such a cool experience. So, yeah, um, just kind of wrapping up pretty quickly here, I think. Um, David Archuleta recently opened up a bit more about his faith journey after coming out a couple months ago. Um, and he felt just that he needed to express 
to um, you know fellow members and the LGBTQ community saying you know you can you are loved um, you can still be you can still keep your covenants you can still be who you are and yes we there's a lot of there are a lot of things we don't know I think there's a lot of you know who knows what the future holds but we can all love each other and I think that's something as a as the church, we could work do better at, but mm-hmm. I think it was it was it was a great um, some some great quotes from him about you know just you don't have to deny who you are, just, and you can still be a child of God, and you can still keep your covenants and everything else. So yep. it was it was, it was kind of cool being faithful on that. And oh, and that actually reminded me, a, a colleague of mine, her name is Jenny Proctor. She's published with Covenant and done a lot of um, self published books as well. She was like the clean like rom-com kind of thing mm-hmm. um she's gotten some flack lately because she'll have you know like her most recent one i think um had a there's a like a family who owns a big farm and they have this big event center in in the, the barn and they do weddings and over the course of the book there's several weddings and one happens to be a gay wedding and people mm-hmm. are just lambasting her for that really um saying politics don't belong i'm not going to read your books anymore and she goes guys here's the thing there's no politics involved in this. Nobody is is advocating one thing or another. Um, she goes, but I also I have a non-binary kid, and just I believe Jesus loves my kid. Yeah. And I want to write books where my kid might be able to see someone who might be like them. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, she has some great videos on TikTok. Um, her, so Jenny Proctor books. That's that's her account on TikTok. I'd go check it out. A couple other quick references. If you've not seen this, you can stream this over on YouTube. It's the uh, Latter-day Saint celebration of Latino culture. It's called the Light of Nations. Happened a couple weeks ago. It's the Luz de las Naciones, if you want to go in the way that you should never pronounce it ever. But Light of the Nations is what it's called. Uh, if you go to the Church Newsroom YouTube page, you can watch that. There's another great thing... Um, I wish I could remember the title of it. I'll leave a link for it in the show notes with like, uh, 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 what's his name? David that does the uh, Come Follow Me with Emily Bell Freeman. David Butler is the host of this with a few other people. Huge musical numbers and just a great Christmas celebration. I'll make that uh, available for people to see. Um, Light the World is going on right now. Lighting the World with Love. Yep, and lots of giving machines all over the place is part of that. Um, make sure that you uh, you go online to lighttheworld.org if you want those daily prompts to, to figure out how you can light the world with love. Also, uh, the red giving machines, you can do that. You can also go online and be able to donate as far as that goes. And I thought, um, you know, as we anticipate that this will drop sometime around the first presidency message, that the way that we would end this is a little thing that they sent out about the um, first presidency message. It is a uh, a press release from the three of them about this. Obviously, still go watch it. Make sure you consume it. But uh, this will kind of wrap us out. It says, when we sing Silent Night, we know the life of that babe of Bethlehem did not begin there, nor did it end on Calvary. In a pre-mortal realm, Jesus was foreordained by his father to be the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior, and Redeemer of all humankind. He was foreordained to atone for us. He was wounded for our transgression and bruised for our iniquities. He came to make immortality a reality and eternal life a possibility for all who would ever live. At this sacred Christmas season, we testify that our loving Heavenly Father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. 
We hope that if you are sick or afflicted, they'll be able to be, be better next week and join us. Uh, and we hope that uh, when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, Brother Brent, and Chocolate Cake Bites podcast will be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. 